This show is for informational purposes only. The views and opinions expressed on this show are the views and opinions of the guests who made them, and not necessarily the views and opinions of Mozinda Umuziab. Today is Monday, 19 May 2014, and the time is 10.50 a.m. Welcome to episode number five of Building Zimbabwe's Future. It's a weekly show where we discuss people, ideas, and projects that are shaping the future of Zimbabwe and developing Zimbabwe's startup ecosystem. Joining me today is Takunda Chingonzo and Blessing Mukomo, co-founders of Neolib. Welcome, Takunda. It's good to be here. Uh, welcome, Blessing. So, we've invited you to this show because we are really impressed with what you are doing at last and would like to hear from the horse's mouth what your role in building Zimbabwe's future is. So let's start from the beginning. How did it all start and how did you guys meet? Well, um, Nyolab, we founded Nyolab, I think, in 2012. Um, we were all students at NAST. Unfortunately, um, the other uh, founder, Jablan uh, Nupofu, he couldn't make it. Um, so you see, we were three gentlemen um, who were resident on campus with different skills, blessings, a designer, Jabu's developer, and just like trying to build things. You know, so we had a challenge, you know, when we were in res, um, because there is no internet access at, at where we were staying. So we were trying to find a solution. And this was on campus? Yes, this was on campus. Yeah. Um, so we were trying to find a way of bringing, you know, wireless access to where we were residing, instead of having to go up to, to, to access it, you know, where the investor set it up. So in so doing, that's how we began to try, um, that's, how, that's how we began developing the very first project that we were working on. It was called Connect back then. Um, we worked on it, we actually developed the entire solution and um, I think that's how it really began when we realized that you know, we had skills that complemented each other and we could actually build things that could change the world. Yeah. The first product that we then had was Connect and we submitted it for a competition that was being sponsored by CBZ, the CBZ Entrepreneurship Challenge. And we traveled, you know, it wasn't really you know, serious, we were just trying things out. You know? So we traveled to Harare, I remember it was in the dead of the night. Yeah. You know, and we presented our concept and we were amazed because people actually believed that it was something that was, you know, that could change how we were living and working and, you know, accessing the internet in Zimbabwe. So I think that's how really Neolab was formed. It was from there that we really took it seriously and began working on concepts, trying to figure out whom we were, uh, what Neolab was supposed to be in the tech ecosystem in Zimbabwe and, you know, in the like. And, and Connect wasn't, you, didn't, you weren't incorporated yet. It wasn't a company yet, right? No, 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 it wasn't. We were just students who were trying to, you know, create something cool that would make our lives easier. Okay. And was uh, was it also K2K? What's K2K? Um, K2K, um, okay, this, that wasn't Connect, but um, also during the time we met, we also had this passion that we wanted to teach kids um, how to use the computer. You know, it's, it's, it's one of those things we've noticed in Zimbabwe that we have a lot of kids, but they don't really, they're not really catching up with com uh, computer technology because they're not exposed, they, you know, and all that stuff. So we had a running project. Um, how many uh, first were we? Um, there were 11 volunteers, I think. Yeah, we had 11 volunteers. Uh, so we would go out, find a venue where computers would be there, or find someone who'd help us or give us some computer use for a couple of hours and invite a number of kids and we teach them a little bit and the problem would run for a couple of weeks until the kids would be proficient in some skill set. Mm -hmm. 
That's what I said. So that was K to K. But then at the same time, when we thought about creating a product, I should say, okay, we can also be making these things. And Connect was actually our first breakthrough that gave us that eye opener to say, oh, wow, we can actually do this. And the funny thing with uh, K2K was that the, the NGO that we partnered with that were bringing the, that was bringing the, the kids from the marginalized areas in Bulawayo, they actually noted um, um, distinct improvement in the, the, the kids' interest in you know, education and learning and an improvement in their grades and performance in their classrooms. So that's when we realized that, you know, the imparting of the IT skills in the manner that we were doing, because we weren't trying to, you know, deploy another ICDL or some other, you know, standardized uh, you know, package like that. The manner in which we were doing it was actually helping boost these uh, children's, you know, esteem and confidence, and it was having a very positive social impact. And so, I, yeah, and I yeah. think that that kind of stuck to our DNA of wanting to give back because since then we've actually stopped doing that. Even as much as we've ventured into product making, we still have that thing to say we've made an impact before. So why should we stop now? Let's just keep on pushing because of that small impact we noticed. Oh, it's it's interesting because. A lot of people would want to give back from day one. Mm -hmm. So yeah. a lot of entrepreneurs would want to make a lot of money first yeah. and, then, uh, and then thinking about giving back later. Yeah. Uh, so, so it's interesting. How did Neolib start? How did, how did you move yeah. from K to K to Neolib? Um, okay, so the whole development of Connect and uh, K2K almost were, it happened almost at the same time, right? Uh, just volunteering on one side and trying to make a product on the other side. Um, after we won uh, the CBZ Entrepreneurship Suit, um, that's when we really sat down and we asked ourselves, you know, what we really wanted to do or to become, you know? Um, I remember when we were trying to register the company, one of the first few names that we wanted to use or have was uh, Reckless Technicians, you know? It was very <laughs> radical and okay, looking back, yeah, it was a bit, you know, a bit yeah. too much over the top, but yeah. So, in registering, you know, the company, that's how we formed Neolab. You know, Neolab is the first lab. You know, it's us trying to do things differently, not just trying to get technology out there and, you know, plug it there. And, you know, we just want to build technology fit for, you know, emerging economies, fit for Zimbabwe, you know, fit for you and me. So I think that's how we really began, and from then we then started to define what the company was. I know it's almost in inverse of what most startups do to say you have a co product and then you form a startup out of that we were now trying to figure out exactly what um what we were going to be you know so we started working on quite a number of um, products because we had different interests we continued in the networking aspect we went into graphic designing and aesthetics we went into actual you know um web applications and and, and, and the like so that's where our products came from. And I think even the products that we're going to talk about today reflects that diversification in how we founded the company. Uh, okay, and what does NEO mean? NEO essentially means first. First, okay. Yeah. New yeah. first. Yeah. New or first, yeah. Uh, even, even our motto in generate redefined, um, we were saying we're redefining something. So people know a lab to be some, uh, something where things are researched, new ideas emerge and stuff like that. And we are also saying, okay, let's redefine that. It doesn't really work out in a science lab or computer lab, but this is a lab which has got a lot of these dynamic ideas. I'm sure you didn't say reckless. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we, we just were different um, in the way we approached things and how it did stuff. And so what does new lab do? Um, all right, so essentially now Neolab is uh, where software development components are very core, but we've diversified into graphic designing and um, wireless networking. 
um, the model that we've employed uh, sort of defines us as a startup engine. Because what we do is we identify a product, a potential product, which might either be solving a problem or just you know, being a really cool product. We validate this idea and begin to create a product around it. Um, as we go into the development of the product, we then create a team to actually uh, take the product from the idea stage to commercialization. And once the, the product is towards or heading towards commercializing or on the market or just on the market, we then also, uh, what we do is we then restart the cycle and continue working on ideas. So it's like a repeated iteration of, of creating products from ideas and deploying them. Uh, and how do you choose which products to work on? Uh, my real question is, uh, with with Connect, mm -hmm. you you didn't like look for a project to start working on, no. but uh, but this idea sort of like hit you like an oncoming train, yeah. and, uh, and you you didn't have a solution then. Mm -hmm. You needed a solution. Mm -hmm. uh, no one was going to come and solve it for you, mm -hmm. so you decided to go ahead and implement it uh, mm -hmm. and implement a solution on your own. Mm -hmm. Is it the same approach you use now, or do you? Uh, look for ideas which may be profitable, or do you are you more problem focused, or do you start from the problem? How, how do you decide which projects to work on? I think it's really the same concept that we had back then because Connect, as we was, as we started developing it and trying to test with customers and really try to validate the concept, it evolved and I think we pivoted in certain key areas. Yeah. Um, it's what we're now calling SciSci, the, the product itself. You see, so it has evolved from then, from just trying to solve that problem to integrating what customers actually want. You see, and think it's it takes a bit longer than just trying to identify a, a, pro, um, a product that will give you money. But I think it's more sustainable. It brings about the innovation that we're trying to have from the very beginning. So yeah, yeah, pretty much. Because um, I'm sure some startups would say you want to look for a niche market to to sell a product into or some problem that's out there. But we really have been this group of people who inspired you, you hit by an idea, and because you like it, you want to develop it. But you might see that it's not really working in this area. How best can I make it impact the community or be as effective? And that's where um, what Japan says comes in, that we develop it, we pivot on a lot of aspects, but at the end of the day, the end product is what you really want it to give out, but it's serving specifically what it's supposed to. Yeah. yeah, Because it's just like an invention, you can invent some scientific breakthrough, but at that point, it has no relevance to what the community can do. But somebody can just say, okay, why don't you use this for that? So we go through what you like doing best, but you know, directing it back to what the community can benefit most out of. Uh, okay, so the, the first step is always validation, right? Yes. You, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. We don't um, just get something <laughs> and try and build the entire <laughs> project. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. So, and, and you mentioned SciSci, mm -hmm. uh, one of the projects you're working on. Mm -hmm. What's SciSci? Um, SciSci is really an interesting concept. Um, we want. We believe that internet access in Zimbabwe should be free, right? Uh, the public should be able to access the internet for free. I mean. It's the norm in almost uh, most first world countries, you know, and that okay, people and should the, and pay. And the internet is a basic human right. You see now, it is. I, I wanted to say that, but then I wasn't oh, sure yeah. how it, so I was just trying to go around it. But yeah. you see what I'm saying? People should pay for services on the internet, but not to access the internet, you see. So, of course, we that's what we're trying to drive for. So, essentially, it's more like sponsored Wi-Fi. Um, 
that we're going to be giving. I'm not going to go into the details of how this is being done, because it's still in active deployment. But I can tell you that um, in our efforts to try and do this, we've actually resolved um, to, to, to building our own uh, hardware. We've created our own router. It's based on some technology. And we've created the firmware that's running on it uh, from the ground up. Uh, so once we, we get a bit of funding, we are looking forward to, to a bit of investment now uh, to do our proof of concept. We want to deploy it. And our first deployment or deployment scenario, shall I say, is going to be in public transportation. So very soon you're going to have uh, free internet access in public transportation. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Let's, let's go on a third experiment. You guys are providing free internet because it's sponsored. Yeah. Let's look at it this way. The way uh, the business models we see in Zimbabwe every day is I go to the ISP and I pay for internet. So I'm the ISP's customer. Now, in your model, I'm no longer the customer. In fact, I'm the product because when I, uh, when I come to you guys for free internet, your customer is not me because I'm not paying. But your customer is the sponsor who's paying to reach me the product. Is that right? Yeah, whoever is paying for the product like is the yeah. customer, yeah. So <laughs> yeah. we are changing who the customer is with regards to And, and if you're not paying, you're the product yourself. Yes, <laughs> no, yes okay. yeah. yeah, It's something that people in Zimbabwe, I think most entrepreneurs don't look at to say who really is the customer. So I think it's going to be pretty interesting. I think the next few months are going to be pretty interesting. The reaction that we're going to get from the market, from people already offering internet, you know, and the like. It's, it's going to be exciting. Uh, and besides SciSci, uh -huh. what other projects are you working on? Um, okay, um, because Neolab is based on, okay, we are students, right? And we're working from different um, places in Zimbabwe, different areas from Utari, Blawa, Harare. Uh, one of the problems that we were having was actual, you know, efficient collaboration, right? So we're creating what is called Neowork. Uh, Neowork is an open-ended collaboration platform that allows people to collaborate on ideas to work together from their different uh, respective platforms that they are comfortable working from. You know, because given Zimbabwe's uh, situation, not everyone can just hop online and use whatever is there. You know, people are using different you know, technology technologies to, 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 to communicate and get work done. So that's a collaboration platform that we're building. Hopefully it will go into testing very soon and we'll have an active deployment. Yeah, and it's also one of those things which came out during the Connect era. Yeah. Um, we we noticed that Connect as a product couldn't just serve the initial idea that we had for it to be working in campuses to provide an internet connection or um, for students to be connected. But Newark is an evolution also of Connect. We're like evolving Connect for businesses. People like to collaborate over different or wider geographical area. So, yeah, you can see that most of the development of our products is coming through that um, evolution. It's not just sitting down trying to crunch our brains to think about something that people might want, mm -hmm. but it's evolution. Yeah. And, and, and now I'm thinking, how, how big is your team? Um, okay. Uh, <laughs> the question is a bit uh, tricky to answer uh, because of our social programs. We have quite a number of people who are now working with us. Uh, in that respect. So at times when we talk about the number, it biases what people think because of, like I had said, that social end product aspect of Neolab. Uh, the core team in Neolab has um, eight people, eight people yeah. who are working. 
and then the rest, um, okay, in total, nearly there's 22 people are active right now, but the core has eight. So these other people are working in different programs that we're having, different products that we're developing, but aren't like core um, in the company core as yet, yeah. Oh, so you guys are already providing employment to... Uh, to other people. Yeah, that's that's well, one yeah. of the, the, the key things that we're also looking at and we're trying to do so in the most cost-effective manner because in some cases, you know, startups go into active recruitment and they have huge teams and then now they don't have the resources to sustain that huge team and so they collapse. So the manner in which you're also doing it is also sustainable in that manner. Uh, okay, you, you mentioned the social aspect but I want to come to that last. Uh-huh. Uh, first uh-huh. time you discussed the, the different okay. projects you're working on. All right. Uh, um, okay, on products, okay, there is, I think there are two others that we haven't talked about that are now almost close to uh, better de- uh, deployment. We have what is called Roommate. Roommate is an accommodation placement platform for university students. I mean, in Zimbabwe, most of our universities don't have capacity in terms of the residents to accommodate the entire student population, you know. So that's what we're trying to address, and our first deployment will be probably in the next week or two at uh, in Blyer, at NAST, for the students there, because that's where it is. Um, it's like an Airbnb for, but for students, for student accommodation. Is it the same um, concept? Not exactly the same concept. You remember, that if, if, if you had to check, the name is Room 8, uh, which is like uh, roommate. So it's not just going to be focusing on um, accommodation placement, but that's what we have developed so far. That's like the MVP. Uh, once we deploy it successfully and you know there is a positive uptake, it's going to then uh, morph into what it really is supposed to be as the name depicts. Okay. But can students not just get accommodation on campus? No, okay, I can tell you that less than 10% of the student populace can be housed on any given uh, campus. Maybe that's an exclusion of like established universities like, you know, UZ um, and the like. But it's a serious problem. You know, you have quite a number of people, I'll give you examples of universities that are down there. You have maybe the large, larger population uh, coming from Harare or outside that given location, that given city. These people find it difficult to find accommodation prior to uh, you know the beginning of the semester. It's either they have to come down and try and find somewhere to stay, um, you know, temporarily whilst you look for attachment. It's it's really a headache, and it's something that we all went through uh, when we went down to to Blaue to to attend our studies at NAS. So it is quite a bit of a problem. Yes, accommodation is there, but trying to get that accommodation uh, when you're not from Blaue is a challenge. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's where you get all these middlemen charging you this amount and, you know, you pay people and then they disappear and, you know, it's frustrating. You know, students are being taken, you know, advantage of and in the end you're staying, you know, like two, three, you know, bus fare or bus trips away from campus and so it becomes very expensive for students, you know. So, oh, so, yeah. so this was a problem you faced yourselves. Yeah, we did. We uh, did. And you found you can solve it, not just for yourselves, but for, but every, for, for every other yeah. student in Zimbabwe, yeah. And... From initial uh, discussions with potential students and the like, they're pretty excited about it. You know, students from um, Harare who are coming in for their first uh, year, like uh, end of this year, are pretty excited and they're constantly asking us when you know the, the platform is going to go live and when they can actually start using it. Because it's something that is worrisome. You have found um, uh, a place at the university, but then, you know, the logistics as to how you're going to be residing and living there, you know, they're worrisome for literally any student, yeah. I went to the UZ, but I uh, but I used to live in Harare. Mm-hmm. You so, see, so it's easier yeah, for so, you because it's yeah, your comfort so, zone. Yeah. yeah, so I've never thought about that. <laughs> That's the thing. I've realized it's, it's a challenge in Zimbabwe, you know. Yeah. Most of these products are, are context-specific. And most people think that the Zimbabwean context is the same. But I'm beginning to realize that it's different. 
the lifestyle and how people are living in Blaoyo, in Vic Falls, in Mutare, and how people are living in Harare, it's totally different. The challenges, for example, even in Harare alone, you know, are way different. So it's something that I would advise also entrepreneurs to look into, uh, simply because one thing is going to work in the Harare concept, uh, context doesn't mean that it's going to be so successful at that. It's all in Bulawayo. Yeah. And you mentioned you have a fourth project. And yes, it was actually one of our first, uh, yeah, first-ish projects because we are bootstrapped, we haven't funded yet. Uh, we have recently applied for funding and it's in the parliament, it's, it's coming. But we had to find ways of sustaining our progress, you know, and our work up to now. So it's a product that really was inspired by Blessing. It's more graphic-oriented and, and the like. And I think it's pretty cool, yeah. So um, what we did was, okay, we, I love designing. What can we do with quick design? Okay, so far right now we have a lot of people doing graphic design and, and, and all these graphic jobs that people access, like get something printed and the like. But... Um, what about our devices? So we notice people use um, cell phone pouches, you know, the cell phone pouches. Yeah, they, cell phone so that they can protect their cell phone, they don't get damaged and the like. And yeah, they're pretty plain for like designs. And we thought, okay, we have got laptops as well. Is there a way of making them look nice or making them look interesting? So an idea hit us. We're like, okay, let's just create designs for people to put on their laptop to give them a personality, like. This is my laptop. It's not just an HP laptop or an Apple laptop. It's my laptop. So we started. Um, we designed the first batch, I think, for our mm -hmm. for our own laptops. And wow, people were, like interested, like amazed. Wow, how did you do that? Is that do you get the machine custom made from the manufacturer? <laughs> you know that kind of thing. It it, it it kind of gives you some form of originality on your product. So yeah, the students, um, population at Nast were the first. Um, market that we targeted and a lot of them have been coming to us to say no we need this product so we have been doing a bit of research of um how it can be applied how it can perfect the product but as of now how many people have we sold to uh, okay i might not have the numbers off the top but it's yeah. it's been really you know uh, and it's growing that's yeah. the thing yeah, and how much does one cost um, because of the different um, parties that are now interested, you have corporates who are coming yeah. up who say, we're also interested in this because, you know, it's a, it's a form of branding for branding them. Branding for company, yeah. yeah. they're called Labjects, by the way. Um, they range from between $7 to $20, depending on the quality, the durability that you want, the complexity in terms of design and fitting and, and the like, yeah. So that's the price range. I think we're going to have a bit more of that material on our... Uh, social sites and our website a bit later. Mm -hmm. And from a problem point of view, you know, my first laptop was an HP 635, you know. Oh, uh, the laptop, it's a good laptop, I, I still respect it. Yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah, uh, but the problem is that, you know, after you buy it, for the first, after I say two, three weeks, because of the, the finish and the, the lid, it's it begins to look like a three, four year old laptop because of scratches and the like. And this is just by, from, you know, putting it in a bag and taking it out, you know, nothing really extreme you know yeah. so that was the first challenge i had my first laptop i was excited you know but then it was looking like a five-year-old laptop you know so that was also the other reason why i got really excited and why most students are excited about it because yeah. it, it helps to protect your laptop and most students you know you buy a laptop for six months and you want to sell it you want to retain that you know the the, the value of the laptop let's yeah. just say you've bought it for 500 and now you're going to be forced to sell it for 250 because it doesn't look quite as good even though if it's it's it's, it's, it's still in good condition so they're called Labjacks. I think the costing and pricing will be on our site. Uh, we're getting a few partners, distribution partners, because we're primarily in, in Blawayo, but now we're going to have partners in Harare and you know all the other satellite uh, towns and cities.
So it's it's exciting. It is. Ah, okay. So for projects, mm-hmm. uh, first thing on my mind now is you guys are all over the place. How mm-hmm. how are you able to do so many projects at, at, at the, the same, same time? time? Yeah. It really was a problem. I won't lie. You know that's the reason why we've delayed in actually having a product, a fully fledged product on the market because. It has been very complicated. That's why we have been changing the model of Neolab uh, every so often because we try working in one you know context and it really doesn't work. It's not as efficient and effective as we want. But um, you remember as I described our concept, our model now being a startup factory, it really yeah. has helped our core team to, to focus. So we have our core team focusing on uh, priority projects. And once one project is um, accelerated in terms of development, we build a team around it and they take it from there. It means what they're doing, we've already done most of the heavy lifting, the validation, the creation of partnerships, you know, the deployment and rollout strategy and all of that. And what they're really going to be doing is implementation. And what we do is we then measure against the preset results. So that's the model that we're using now. And this has proven to be you know, uh, progressive. Uh, that's why I'm now free and yeah. quite uh, excited to talk about the deployment of some of these products in the next coming weeks. It's one thing being a visionary, entrepreneur, yes, yeah, pioneer, exactly. who yeah. starts something. Yeah. But it's another managing a, a business professionally yeah, every day. Yeah. 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 So, so you guys are visionary pioneers. And then uh, once you get the idea out there, you find people who can uh, manage it and run it professionally. Am I accurate? Yes and no. Um, you're using the term professional, right? Um, the, our recruitment strategy and all that isn't targeting people who actually have, who already have the skills. We're looking for those people, but it has been a challenge. So instead of us spending tons of money trying to get these people on board, we've developed a more um, of a hybrid uh, strategy to get these people on board. But yeah, more or less, that's, that's the thing. We create a product, we validate it, we, we develop the entire uh, product, and then we build a team to implement it. And then we simply measure results and pivot where necessary. Yeah. But it's, it's not to say though, that we're ignoring the administrative aspects. <laughs> we <laughs> don't totally have people who yeah, do the accounts. Yeah. No, we do have, but um, they are managing that on, on a high level. Most of our products have got a lot of um, on-the-ground kind of thing. So the people who do the field work now are the guys that Takundo was talking about. We get them, we groom them, um, build a team around the product we've created, and then when they deploy, we're working with them to perfect the skill so that even after the product has grown they can also be doing something. So we like we build startups along the way. You know, that's the startup factory kind of yeah. It's like we're evolving into an actual business but uh, retaining the culture and spirit and enthusiasm of the startup. Yeah. Uh, okay. That's that's the hybrid that we're trying to retain. Because corporates yeah, it's cool to become a corporate, but then it becomes stressful, you know. It's, yeah. it's, I, I believe it brings about a lot of inefficiencies and, and the like, and that's what we're trying to avoid yeah, in the model that we've implemented. When we started the interview, you said your Neolab has two arms. Mm-hmm. So the arm which focuses on projects which mm-hmm. bring money in the organization, mm-hmm. and then an impact arm. Can you, mm-hmm. can you tell me a bit more about that? All right, so that is called um, Neo Effect. It's Neolab Effecting Change in the Community. But it's not... Mm-hmm purely uh, philanthropic or you know charitable it is also supporting our product development um, and a new effect uh, because of the new model that we're having uh, or we're deploying or developing um, new effect is actually now going to become a lot more independent from Neolab so as, as we proceed as we start rolling out products Neolab is really going to become a product oriented uh, organization full stop uh, 
right? Oh, okay. But it's still we're still going to be working in, in synergy. Yeah. So under New Effect, we have three programs that we've already taken through pilot. Uh, we have Symbiote, which is an evolution of K2K. We can actually say it's pilot was K2K. It's uh, ICT literate, um, IT uh, literacy um, uh, for those in you know in marginalized areas. Um, then the other one is the MX project and Boot Africa. Boot Africa, um, you would see that we are in a context of many people, many budding startups, people with ideas, business ideas, they want to get ideas and make products out there. People are basically want to make money. But uh, everyone is an idea. Yeah. Everyone is an idea, you yeah. see. Yeah. So you notice now that not all people are going to really have to push through and make it out there because they're just frustrated by something as simple as company registration. They don't know where and how they can set up a company. So because of the experience... Plus, guys have made two years, like, two years ago who had an idea then. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and you made them today, they still have still an idea. Like the idea. <laughs> and, 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 you know, we're like, because of the way we started our company, we're like, we went to a competition, we won them, we started a company and all that stuff. We, we got to learn about how these things can easily be done if you really put it into it. And we used that experience to kind of take other startups through to get registered, to start up the idea, to make it work. So what we do basically is we identify people who have ideas on a product or want to establish a business. And then we incubate them in a way um, by providing um, some form of services like giving them or facilitating company registration giving them a domain, uh, domain um, and you know, business some, services. Like business that, services, yeah. yeah. Some mentorship in a way. Um, then after some time, they can be able to pay us back. Mm-hmm. Um, for their services. For their services. We're not going to be saying, okay, because you want to set up a business, you're charging $25 for this and that, and then we know that they don't have money. So we help them out. Then when they are finally developed, they also, they either get to give back um, through the skills or services um, that they offer, like if we're going to build another business and they need the skills that they have, they can, for the value that you help them, they can also get help the other business to also grow. So mm-hmm. there is the synergy with putting Africa startups and yeah. So, so you're not, you not taking equity from, uh, from no, the startups? No, it's not about equity at no, all. No yeah. equity. Even if you notice from the other models of our projects, we we really not um, capitalizing on initiative and stuff we like yeah. saying okay let's let everything work and we help each other yeah also oh, when so um so for example if i get services which are worth 500 bucks from boot africa mm-hmm. yeah uh in my business uh starts getting profitable mm-hmm. i may i may or may not pay you back the 500 bucks um is that what you're saying not may not. Um, okay, the model is best. <laughs> okay, one way or another, they are going to pay. All right. The question now is how? Are you going to give us like the money back, right? Or are you going to donate skills worth that amount onto the product into the program? Sorry. Oh, that's okay. the thing. Yeah. It'd also be great though if they also become long-term partners with us, like to say, okay, each yeah. time you guys need help, we're here. We're here to help and and all of that. Because um, you, startups have different specialties and what they do. You notice that this guy's into media, this guy's into maybe building a certain product. And one way or the other, they're going to meet and want to share resources and stuff like that. And maybe Boot Africa would also help that because we've established this network. We know maybe the startups we've established in the last five years and we know where to maybe get them together and source resources. So it's not really about saying we help them start up, then they 
may or may not. <laughs> they will definitely um, get your cost, but it may not really be money-based, but yeah. services-based as well. So um, it's yeah. really about trying to foster the growth of the startup ecosystem. Yeah. I think when we started out, it was rather hostile. Startups didn't want to work with other startups. We thought people were going to steal our ideas and all that, you know. So we're trying to bridge that gap, you know, to make sure that startups are able to work in coherence. You know, exactly. if you have two different startups trying to build an e-commerce site, as yeah. opposed to having one big successful or none big successful, <laughs> yeah. why not have these guys work together and develop one uh, concrete, you know, innovative solution? And the yeah. only way we can foster the, this is by growing this, you know, ecosystem. You know, uh, 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 and even not work together. Uh, competition is also a good thing. Yeah, it is also a yeah, good thing. Yeah, it, yeah it, uh, it educates your market. So yeah, you, yeah your competitors also <laughs> yeah. educate your market. And, yeah, yes, uh, you and get more people knowing about e-commerce and stuff. Yeah, so that's the thing. And you know, Blessing talked about um, the incubatory role. Shall I say? Uh, it's not like the typical like what hubs are doing. No. We're simply trying to get people with their ideas to validate, to actually start doing something about them and then assist them in all those other areas that they are, you know, blank about the corporate and, and legal and all those other yeah, areas. Yeah. And then once they have these skills and they know what exactly they're doing, these people then move probably out of our program and into the hub ecosystem that we have, you know, with Muzinda. And then, you know, they come, they already have a validated idea. Yeah. They understand how business is supposed to be run. So, you know, that's what we're doing. We're trying to get people from the grassroots into these uh, communities that are, you know, popping up in Zimbabwe. Oh, yeah. okay. And also, as he had said, there are also partnerships that we are looking for because sometimes we are purely software and some of our products, like SciSci, for example, has a hardware component. Instead of us going to pay some large corporate out there to uh, manufacture, you know, our components, um, why not get a startup that's specializing in that to work on it? It's it's more effective, it's, it's flexible for us, and it's also yeah. going to be cheaper, you see. Yeah. So that's oh, the other absolutely. thing. Yeah. yeah. And MX Projects. Oh, yes, What's the MX, MX Projects. Project? The MX Projects really is about creating the ultimate entrepreneur, right? Um, it's a fact in Zoom. Oh, what's, what's the ultimate entrepreneur? <laughs> the ultimate entrepreneur. Oh, okay. There's, there's been quite a lot of debate about what the ultimate <laughs> entrepreneur is. But I believe that the ultimate entrepreneur is somebody who's able to look at any given opportunity and identify key resources that they would need to actually take advantage of that opportunity without having to bank on external resources. To say, if there's something that needs to be sold here, you know, you can get it sold, you know, or if it's a product that's being developed, it can be developed using the resources that are available. Don't uh, plan on getting loan from so-and-so, you know, and doing this, this, and that, you know. Yeah. And the Sansu says in the book, Art of War, he says, um, what, opportunities multiply the more you seize them. You see, now, exactly. that's the thing, so, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those things where we always say we want to come up with a business and then, like, yeah, so I'm waiting for that loan to, to go through the loan application to, to, to come through. And then you sit and wait as if that idea is going to do something on its own. Yeah. So what Mono X kind of does, is, it's kind of a grilling experience. Because when we won the Connect Committee, do we even use any money? We didn't. We just built a product out of our own resources and stuff. And we're like, we want to get this idea out there. And because it pulled through, it gave us... Um, the, things can be done without money. Things can be done without money. Let's give people a mindset like that so that more people can start being entrepreneurs, more people can be enterprising. So what Model X basically does, uh, does is we, like we've target university students who also have that mindset that, okay, I'm waiting to finish my degree or whatever I'm studying, then I'll probably get a job or do something and 
does it well work out in terms of saving any time in newspapers and stuff like that. So I want to give them that social, um, that, 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 that entrepreneurship mind to say, no, it's not always about waiting to finish school because you can start doing something now. You've got those ideas, why don't you make them start working? So, yeah. What basically have we done with, with like... What lines? Okay, so that's the more uh, philanthropic aspect of it. Yeah. But it's also partly um, our recruitment strategy. Because what we do is we get, um, we're based at NAST, right? So for our pilot, we recruited 14 students. We trained them in all the, the concepts and um, strategies and, you know, effective experiences that we've gone through. And they formed teams that, they, uh, that are working on products within Neolab. So you remember when I talked about uh, team formation, once we've uh, developed the entire product? Yeah. So then they take the product or the idea, wherever it is, at the stage that it is, and they work on it from there up to commercializing. Uh, these people earn on commission because we're working with students. They can't dedicate, you know, a nine-to-five. Um, and in so doing, we believe that hopefully, um, as they experience how to start up or how to develop a product within your lab, they make their mistakes within uh, our, our ecosystem using our resources, they learn how to then effectively also start up uh, when they're working on their ideas. So that really is what Model X is. Um, from there, we then recruit, if we're recruiting uh, into the company, because we have already assessed how these people are working, and they've developed products that are on the market, you see. So we've piloted at NAST, and now we have quite a number of universities that have actually approached us to say, oh, really? we are interested in you having, you know, in you deploying this this uh, model or this program in our universities. Oh, yeah. okay. The technicalities of how exactly we're doing that are a bit more intricate, because we tried, yeah. well, like, uh, you know, quite a number of times, and it wasn't working out. Yeah. So we believe that how we are doing the MX project now is quite sustainable. I think... In the next few weeks, you're going to find that quite a number of good and interesting startups are going to pop up uh, from this program. Yeah, uh, I like that you say that you've tried a number of times, but uh, it didn't work out. But yeah. you kept going. Yeah. yeah, we have tried so many things and they have failed. You know, yeah. yeah. Um, but it's a learning process. You know, we're proud of it because that's when you realize that no, you see that doesn't work and this works. You see. I think it's something that every entrepreneur has really to go through. You know, you go through failure, through challenges. You have to know when to keep going and when to not, when to change direction. You know, yeah. so so failure is a necessary part of the entrepreneurial process. It is. Yeah, it I really mean, is. In yeah. Albert Einstein said, if, uh, anybody who's never made a mistake has never tried anything new," and he's a big, great mind of our time, of, 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 of way back. Um, it's all about getting to experience. The wrong thing of doing things, so that you know the right way of doing things. So yeah. you know, so, I'll yeah, I'll <laughs> I'll I'll do, do, yeah, you exactly. Don't make a mistake, then yeah. how are you going to know the right way of doing it? And that's also what now these are the startups and these people that we're working through our programs are learning from, because yeah. they we've made these mistakes. They don't, at least they don't get to make the same mistakes because they learn, you know, by working with us and working through us. You know, I believe that failure is not a bad thing. In fact, failure is okay, but as long as you fail fast, you fail cheap. And you fail towards success by learning from your failures. What's wrong is believing that there is shame in failure. This is because the mentality that failure is stigma will paralyze you and stop you from starting up. Because startups by their very nature are risky failures. Yeah, because you, you always take something. Make sure you always take something out of that failure. You know, don't just fail and then get <laughs> yeah. depressed and then you know, throw it away. You know, oh, yeah. you know, take oh, yeah. something out of it. And that's what we believe in. Yeah. But most of our work, to be honest, really is based on the idea of people using the resources that they have to get stuff done. You know, don't bank on, you know, 
uh, other people's resources. People have been preaching about lean startups and bootstrapping, but we really haven't been taking it to heart. You know, everyone is looking for that funding. If you ask anybody what's the main problem right now, they tell you funding. You know, it's not the first issue. It's not the first problem. You know, of course, now, like, us, we're looking for funding because we're now trying to scale ideas yeah. that we've proven. But, you know, it's not, that hasn't been the limitation from, you know, the get-go. That's why we've been able to do what we've done so far. Yeah. Okay, and speaking of problems, mm-hmm. uh, what other problems do you, what, what challenges have you faced? Um, you see, the reason why we've tried so many uh, different, um, shall I call them, bootstrapped recruitment models uh, is because of skill. You know, we're working on so many different concepts, right? Uh, they need people with a specific skill set. And that's one other thing that we really don't have in abundance in Zimbabwe, you know? Is it, uh, is it that we don't have the skills? Or you can't afford the people with the skills. Um, yeah, that can be a contributing factor. It's it's um, a bit of both because I mean we're a startup, right? Both, yeah. yeah, we're a startup. But then, fine. Those who do have the skills are also working on their own, you know, concepts and products. So it's not like we approach them and then they say, yeah, for me to do that, I want ten thousand dollars. It's not really like that. Yeah. You see, it's they're also working on their own, you know. Items. So when you, we have like the time constraint, like you say, we need this done by this uh, point in time, it then becomes a bit of a challenge. And then also there are people, you know, who claim to then have the skill. Because we're not talking about simply plugging stuff, you know, off the internet and putting it together. We're talking about building solutions from the ground up. Yeah. That's, that's the, the level of skill that we're talking about. If it was just, you know, deploying a website or you know, doing this and that, well, lots of people are doing that. But, you know, building something from the ground, you know, going up, it's a bit of a challenge. So I think that's the problem that we have. You know, I know of so many programs that are being uh, run by certain institutions in Zimbabwe where people are being taught like computer science, but people don't know how to code. Like yeah, yeah, in Zimbabwe. They are being turned into Google developers. You see what I'm saying? Google so, developers are those who, uh, every time they, they get a problem, they use Google. Yeah, go to Google. <laughs> Google to give it oh, yeah, oh, yeah. So how do you... And, and if they can't find it from Google, they go on YouTube and try to find it. You yeah, see my yeah, point? Yeah, so yeah, how then do you work on a, on a project within a limited time frame to get it to market, you know, in the manner that you want it exactly. when people are operating in that manner? I think, and which, you know, skills development really isn't about going to pay somebody to teach you. I mean, the internet is liberal. All the information and content that you need is on the internet. And I know pretty awesome and amazing developers out there that are self-taught. You know, you, you go to YouTube, you get tutorials, you teach yourself and you, you know, you upgrade your skills. That's what everyone, you know, is now, is now preaching and talking about. So I think it's also something that people have to take to heart. And even those guys that we take on that might not have the skill that we need, and we continue working with them and encourage them to continue, you know, developing that skill. Um, I think it's something that we also need to take, you know, seriously. Yeah. Uh, have you considered uh, taking the bit that when you when you recruit someone who doesn't have the specific skills that you need, yeah. you take the bit that they are going to stay with you for five years, so you train them maybe for a year to try to get them to where you want them to be? Yeah, I think, yeah, we, we have. It's... It's not a safe bet because it's not. It doesn't always turn out that way. You know, fine. Somebody might not have the skill that you're looking for, and the reason might not be because they haven't tried to learn the skill or something like that. There are also, you know, there are other risks involved in doing that. But we have, and we believe that the culture that we have at New Lab, the way that we work, we operate, uh, it it inspires people to want to continuously work with us and groom their skills within the organization. We believe that we're not turning it into a corporate. You know. 
if you're working on something, make sure you, you know, you, you, there's a sense of ownership to that which you're working on, and there's value to that which you're inputting. It's not just canvassed by, you know, a brand or a name. Yeah, yeah. that's the thing. So we're hoping that, you know, in the next few months, uh, given all that we've learned, uh, being of this year up to now, that we really will then, you know, have the market presence that we are now looking for. You know, we've been around for quite a bit of time now, and yeah. it's, I think it's time that we really show the world what we've been doing all this time, you know. Considering that you're still students, uh -huh. how do you find the time to do all this? <laughs> well, what, what can we say? Um, okay, um, I'm studying architecture, and yet Neolab is something that's totally different. Um, it will come back to how we came to meet. We both loved, we all loved what we were doing. Um, like, I love designing a lot, he loves um, creating new stuff, and he was interested in networks during the time we created Connect. So, I believe it, it just goes with everyone. If you've got that passion for something, you never say you don't have the time to do it. And that's the one unique thing that has driven your life forward because we've had a lot of stressful times. Times where you can just say, okay, guys, let's just, let's just stop this. This is madness. Let's just leave it. We need to focus on school. But we noticed that you can actually make a difference um, through something, through doing something that you love doing and also using that to solve problems. You see, that was the thing. Now, we're reaching a stage where we're doing something we love and we're using that to solve problems. And the connection, it, it, it was an epiphany for us because we're like, okay, let's go on, let's go out there and show the world what we can do. And there's nothing that can stop you from, from, from doing that once you get to that stage. And the other thing that I've also realized is we have 24 hours in a day and that's a lot of time. Most of us spend that time doing unimportant things, things that might be urgent, but they're not exactly important. I think if you master that skill to really prioritize your time, you can get everything done, you know. Uh, we're supposed to be somewhere else right now, and <laughs> we're going to be there, and yeah, we'll yeah, do yeah, what, what we're expected, <laughs> yeah, what we're expected to be doing there. Yeah. But if you really prioritize, you know, and, and budget your time and budget your resources, I think it's very possible. I mean, university students, it's not like you're learning from, yeah, maybe some are learning from 8 to 5, but there's a lot of time. There's like a lot of time, you know, that people really aren't just utilizing. That's the honest truth. You know, if we're looking at the university context. Yeah. Yeah. And and sometimes it's not always about physically doing the thing um, at that particular point, using that particular time. You can be doing your schoolwork and, and, and all that stuff. But, like, for instance, I work more than 10 hours a day doing my, uh, doing my schoolwork. And I've wasted by the time I want to do all that stuff. But you know what I do? I just say, okay, I have an idea. Write it down. Put it somewhere, right? Then when you're grabbing lunch or doing something, you can... Just be thinking, your mind is constantly thinking about these new ideas. And I guess that's one thing that students would, would, wouldn't want to do to, to actually say, okay, if I do a lot of this, I'm afraid I might start falling in my studies and stuff like that. But if you focus and give yourself the mindset, and I think uh, what the Model X project is also trying to do is to remove that um, perception by students to say, you're doing school, you're doing school all the time. Because after that, Students have fun weekends and after school. There's a lot of time. And that's, that's, that's time that can be invested. Because if you invest time now to, to build a, a business or startup, by the time you finish, you're, like, you're somewhere else. And you don't have to worry about getting a job or doing anything like that. So it comes in many ways what you want to achieve from yourself, what your mindset is. Yeah. 
Uh, okay, so gentlemen, if uh, any one of our viewers wants to get in touch with you, uh, they want to get more information or maybe buy a lip check, mm -hmm. how can they reach you? Um, okay, they can contact us through our Facebook uh, page or via Twitter. We're very active on Twitter. Uh, you can also contact us for your, from sorry through our website, or just you know give us a shout. Our number is very simple. Um, is in the contact number. Zero seven three one triple two triple two. I don't think anyone would forget that. <laughs> but we are we're very active online. Just reach out and we'll get in touch definitely. Yeah. We love you know interacting with people. Our it's, Facebook mm -hmm. page is Neolab Technology. Um, then our Twitter handles at NeoLabTech, at NeoLabTech. Um, yeah, so whenever they want to contact us, they just get to those pages and interact. Our website is www.co.zw. So, yeah. yeah. Closing, Takunda, do you have any last words for our viewers? Well, I think um, Zimbabwe is at a time that is very interesting. There's a lot of stuff that's being done, so many hubs that are popping up, so many people working on different concepts. I think if, if you have an idea out there, right, and you think that maybe you don't really believe in it, you don't have the confidence, I think now is the time to really try it out. Because in our experience, you have an idea, it might be very ingenious now, but sit on it, three, four months down the line, someone else is going to be doing it. And that's a fact, you know. So if you really have an idea there um, in your head or wherever you are, Start working on it, do something about it. You tend to lose nothing and gain quite a lot of stuff inside, you know. Who knows? It might actually change the world. Yeah. Uh, any last words, Blessing? Oh, yeah. Um, in short, I just want to say that if you've got something you like doing um, and you don't think that it's business related, don't worry about it. Um, put your heart and mind into it and focus. You might probably develop a product out of it that can sell because. Um, when you're a student, um, you don't think that I'm focusing on school only. Think about other things. Be yourself. Yeah, basically, I can just say, be yourself. And one day, you're just going to hit that special thing that you're going to do. So, yeah. I mean, when I started, when we started New Lab, I had no idea of wanting to start a business in the first place. But right now, you know, a whole lot of things have changed. And I'm still doing things I like. And it's uh, okay, gentlemen, thank you for your time. Uh, it was good to be here. I just, you know, yeah. always love the opportunity to be able to talk to, you know, to interact with people and get feedback and insight on what we're doing. Yeah. Speaking to guys like you makes me a little bit smarter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it gives me new ways of looking at stuff and things, yeah. And to the listeners would like to know what you think about this show. We love feedback. So, if you had to listen to this from SoundCloud, Leave us a comment. We read those. If you're listening to this from iTunes, give us a rating. We'd appreciate it. Get together around your workplace laptop or share a pair of earphones with your friend. We'd appreciate it if you take some time to send us an email afterwards. The address is kudzai at muzindaumuzihab.com. So that's K-U-D-Z-A-I at muzindaumuzihab.com. Thank you. Thank you.